College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk good old-fashioned college football in Week 12. We're not going to spend a bunch of time on it because we know it's Wednesday and not Monday. We know Thanksgiving tomorrow. We're already looking towards Week 13 and Rivalry Week, but, man, we have a lot of tight games. TCU barely surviving. Michigan as well. Even Georgia. That was a damn close game throughout. You didn't feel like they were going to lose, but it was close. USC, UCLA was very close. Utah, Oregon. I mean, whole lot of tight games. Um, and then you had Tennessee getting beat. Big upset there. That's uh, now kind of looking towards next week against Clemson. And that spread, people are kind of jumping on that, that I noticed, as far as for South Carolina. Can they keep that? 63 points going. I don't think they're going to put up 63 or even 50, but you know what I'm saying. So we're going to we're going to kind of get through week 12 and then like I said rivalry week is coming up. Uh Turkey Day, we have Mississippi State Old Miss. A lot of rumors are flying around there Friday morning. Two bangers, two lanes, Cincinnati and Baylor, Texas should be interesting a rivalry game Florida and Florida State. Nine and a half points seems a tad high. I could see Florida showing up randomly in a rivalry, but I like Florida State in that game. Obviously, on Saturday at noon Eastern, which is normally the time that they play, Michigan in Ohio State. We don't know what's up with Michigan running back. Uh, both of them, actually. Edwards as well, if we, if we want to go down that line. Oregon, Oregon State, always a tricky game. Very tricky game there. Um, Washington at Washington State, and of course in prime time on ABC. USC needs this to keep their playoff hopes alive. Number six, ten and one. USC hosting Notre Dame. That's up to fifteen. They're eight and three, but they're they're up to fifteen. So that would be another quality win. Obviously, you know USC's hoping, uh, based off the rankings, that Oregon wins as well, and so they can meet Oregon. And it'll be a new team to play as well uh, with the higher highest ranking. So um, we're going to preview predicted against the spread upsets, uh, uh, hardcore barn burners. We're going to talk it all the way through here in the College Ball Show. However, if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash ropeadope radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open. Download the show directly there or listen to the browser. You can find this year College Ball Show under the Rope Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to sportsnews24.com. That's a new website, by the way, or somewhat new. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream for a limited time only. The prices start as low as $49.99 for the first two months. If you uh, decide to go with the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of savings, totaling $160 for Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. It's the best of live TV and on demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall. And we might as well start with the two dramatic. I mean, there is a lot of dramatics, but TCU, 29-28, to and then Michigan scraping by 
as well against Illinois, who seemed like they were going to be banged up. Once the game started, they were not banged up, but Michigan did survive 19-17. to Let's start with TCU because, of course, they are the comeback kids. Um, somehow, some way, uh, well, you know, of course, I'll just be honest, I had the minus two and a half for TCU. So I was not a happy camper when I saw that, uh, what was it, a tight end or something, dropped that two-point conversion to tie it, and they would have got the field goal, and, it, you know, we'd have been sitting pretty. But no, not, not that's not how it works uh, in the world of betting. But TCU, I mean, they just have a way of getting it done, and, you know, they're 11 and 0 now. They haven't been in 11 and 0 since 2010, that year that they went undefeated. I mean, it, this has just been a crazy ride. And since the college football ranking system started, no Big 12 team has hit 11 and 0. It is pretty crazy. We have four 11 0 teams this late in the season. Usually, you have more one losses in there. Uh, take it over, Marshall. This this was a crazy. Uh, morning, really, on Saturday. I, I had a feeling from, like, the first quarter in that game, Chris, that, like, TCU was finally going to kind of run out of steam. Um, But, and again, I haven't seen as many Baylor games, but I thought Baylor's coordinators just called, like, a really bad game. Like, I, I just, the, like, offensively, I, I, it's like their drive, their first drive was great, and they kind of were, were doing a bunch of random crap that I didn't quite get. Again, I know it's a one-game analysis of Baylor, but I thought Baylor's coaching staff kind of let them down. And, again, but if you're TCU, man, you just found a way yet again. Like, you were on the road playing a team who was now 6-5, and five, but, you know, Baylor's had high and low moments this year. Um, it, it really doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. And, again, Baylor was up eight points late in that game, too. Um, and they got a little conservative, as we've seen happen in pro and college football. And norm- normally, if you get conservative in college football, bad stuff happens, and, and it did. I mean, I, I-, I kind of picked Baylor, so that's I'm kind of speaking for that angle. But, hey, you're up eight, and you're playing a team that has been known to come back all year. Why take your foot off the gas? Like, I really didn't quite get, like, the last couple possessions Baylor had the ball is just, like, straight up off-tackle runs. I'm like, dude. If you give TCU the ball back, it ain't going to be pretty. And to tip the cap to TCU, I've seen NFL teams have a lot worse late game meltdown moments. But TCU, you know, they'd they'd ran they uh, they were moving down the field to go for that game winning field goal, and then they they did a run and they spiked the ball and they didn't run. And, and you see, with like 15 seconds left, TCU had ran the ball. They'd been stopped, and then you see this field goal unit run on the field and you're like oh my god like this this <laughs> magical season is going to come to an end due to poor clock management because I, I i i would bet you chris 70 percent of teams that run the ball they have to try it out the field goal like either the um the field goal kicker shanking it alignment's jumping for a false start like something's going wrong in that situation or the guy's just going to miss the kick or a bad snap or something no TCU, that they, they, again, I thought the running in that situation was weird, but they 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 sprinted out there. They got set. I think they snapped the field goal with about six seconds to go, made the kick, 
and they find a way to get another dub. And then after the game, that Sonny Dyke said, oh, we, we, we practice that situation every Thursday. And, hey, to give them credit, I, I'm happy you did because, again, that's a situation where, especially in college, Chris, kickers miss kicks all the time in general that are easy kicks, not to mention a, a transition where your whole team is sprinting on the field. Um, so I, I give them credit for that moment. I, I think Baylor took their foot off the gas a little bit, which came back to bite them, in my opinion. And TCU, hey, you're 11-0. You have now what appears to be the easiest game you've had in about 10 weeks in a row. Doesn't mean it'll be easy against Iowa State, but this is your easiest opponent you've had to face at home in over two months. So can they continue to hold on, Chris, for yet another week? And then you get to play K-State again, who had your number before some quarterback injuries dug in. Man, they still got a, a, two more. Two more. Well, at least stop we assume. I mean, we got to yeah. get there first. But yeah, true. You got. Well, yeah, I, well, they're, well, they're I, locked in for the. Well, they're locked in for the Big Twelve title game, no matter what. But yeah, you need that zero next K-State year. K-State right? is. Oh, uh, I'm talking about K-State. Oh, I don't think they're oh, okay. locked in. Uh, no, well, sorry, with with a win, they're in. You're right. And they, yeah. and they, they're they like a 13-point favorite over Kansas. But as we've learned this year, nothing's ever a guarantee. You're right. You're right. Um, And it's kind of funny because we could talk about tight games and all that, but, man, they missed a field goal, did Baylor. They had a turnover on downs on an 11-play drive that almost went six minutes. They had an interception. 11 plays, uh, 76-yard drive near the end of the first half. Right then and there, that could have gave them, you know, enough mm-hmm. push. Uh, even on that interception that TCU had on their second drive to come right back and have a, you know, a three and out, that didn't help. Um, and I'll say this. On one hand, you know, we could say it was, you know, poor clock management in the last – what, 40 seconds or something like that? Yeah. But they been, went nine plays, 45 yards, and a buck 34. So, I mean, it was good for a second there, but you're right. Usually you would spike it, you would set it up, and all that. But it does, one thing I'll say is, in a lot of, by the way, a lot of teams practice that exact thing. You know what I mean? They do actually. I've actually heard it from a lot of coaches lately, and a lot of people that, uh, um, went to college, you know, at a high-profile schools, and they say this is something that you do actually practice. But the element of surprise came in there too, because then you're like, well, shit, what do I, you know, what do I do here? You know, should I? Sure. What, what do we? What do we do? Should we? Should we do? You know, so it. it I don't know. It kind of works both ways on that play, but in the end, to to burn the clock like that and get the dub, it was ballsy, no doubt about it. But they definitely, you know, got the job done. And it's just, it's been so fun with TCU the, the whole year. They, they've had like six comebacks. It's just been crazy. Um, now on to Michigan, who was down late in this game. Obviously, you know, we don't know what's up with the star running back. And also, I mentioned they have a pretty good, he's not the, the, the star running back, but Edwards is a pretty good back, and they we don't even know if he's playing. So there's a lot of, hmm, you know, what ifs going on right now, and it's just a funky way to go into this, you know, coming up matchup. We'll talk about it, but Michigan, whether they're looking ahead, whether they just thought we're screwed now because we lost, you know, one of our, maybe our best player, um, 
a combination of things. And obviously, to be fair, Illinois didn't look like they were going to be healthy coming into this based off, um, you know, last week injuries. And Illinois came in dropping two games that had they have won, they would have wrapped up the West. So it was kind of, uh, you know, are you, you know, they, it's kind of weird because they got off to a nice start. They got up right away, you know, seven zip. Uh, they had some turnovers, turnovers on downs and whatnot. But once, uh, somewhere in the, the second half, once they had a nice touchdown drive, Illinois and tied it up, it just felt like they were starting to really control the game and, and, and to have that turnover on downs on a 10 play drive after Illinois scored and to come right back and quick strike with the three play 63 yards. When it was 17 to 10, I started scratching my head like, man, I don't know. But then another turnover on downs on a 10-play drive lasting 425. That one definitely hurt. And just slowly but surely, um, you know, they found a way to get it done. To, to chunk it up to from 17 to 10 to go 13, 16, 19, it, it's just – that's just a crazy way to kind of chunk it off and, and not be able to put the ball in the end zone to get up not really comfortably – but enough to, to win the game. They had three drives, Marshall. They gave up a bunch of yards to Brown. No, you know, no big secret. But um, was it looking ahead, or was it them just kind of thinking, you know, we saw our star go down and, and maybe our season screwed? What was it? Why was this game so damn close? Because on paper, I had it a plus 16 and a half. You know, I think that's what I got the points for, 15 and a half, something like that. Yeah, I, I think it was a combination of look-ahead lines um, because Ohio State nor Michigan looked that good. And obviously, what do they have coming up? They're playing each other. And, and neither came close to covering the spread. And honestly, even Ohio State had a pretty close game. It, it wasn't as close as Michigan, but, you know, they, they probably were looking for it on their schedule a little bit. Illinois had been in a bit of a funk, and they, you know, needed a game to probably kind of get their shit back together, and they did. Um Man, from the way the announcers talked about Chase Brown, I feel that obviously in college football it's hard to follow every team because it would be almost impossible. But the way they spoke of this guy, he's like some, I guess, stud I hadn't known about this year, but he had a hell of a game. Like he he really kind of helped carry the load because Illinois has kind of been known for defense this year and the quarterback. But, I, man, this Chase Brown dude, 29 carries, a buck 40 against Michigan. That's impressive. And I guess you summed up pretty well, so I'll hit on the other point from social media, and that was the offensive P.I. that wasn't called on fourth down, where if that's called, we're probably talking about Michigan being 10-1. and one. Um, Obviously, when, a, when you throw out, like, a wide receiver screen, a wide receiver next to the guy can block, but I believe you got to block within, like, around the line of scrimmage. This dude was straight up, like, pushing a sled down the field for a good five, six yards and set up this um, wide receiver screen, which again was on a fourth down. Uh, Bielema lost his mind. Social media lost his mind. There was a ref looking at it. It was a shitty call. Obviously, those do happen in sports. But, I mean, you normally don't see a guy just straight up block a dude, like, really hard, and no one see it. And that was right where the ball was thrown, too. So if you are an Illinois fan, you're probably pretty still bitter and pissed about that. Um, again, normally you don't miss calls like that. But – that is that is sports. That's refing. Um, but hey, if you're Michigan, you, you took a, a very good punch. Hopefully, Corum is uh, back and healthy. And for the other bit of social media, I saw that Corum 
for the second year in a row now, he's taken his um, NIL money and um, donated um, a bunch of uh, turkeys yes. and, turkeys, and food yep. for uh, Thanksgiving. That's cool. I mean, you know, you can say what you want. These college players need to get paid. They do. And that I think that's all moving in the right direction. But the fact that he's taken his own personal money to to give money to people who need food this time of year, that, that's a cool deal. So it shows, you know, these are we, – we, we, um, we talk about them on the podcast like, you know, they're the – the, the football players they are, but that, that was just a good deed to see for around this time of the year. And hopefully um, they need him back, Chris, like you were saying, that Blake Corum, uh, he greatly improves the chances of beating Ohio State. Because last year, you remember, Michigan actually ran the ball down Ohio State's throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Michigan's going to pass the ball down Ohio State's throat. That's kind of not their DNA. So, um, But, man, just to wrap this up, I'm telling you, the college coaches are getting a lot more trickier about announcing, like, updates. Like, even there was a Mac game this past week that me and my buddies were looking to bet. They didn't they didn't mention that the starting quarterback was out till like, 40 minutes before the kickoff. Like, and I, I get that gambling, you know, isn't the be-all, end-all. But, like, as a coach just in general, like, the fact that you're now, a lot of these college coaches are really kind of hiding it to the vest and not mentioning injury reports it, it kind of does make it tough just in general. Like, okay, oh, yeah, by the way, our starting quarterback is not playing today. We kick off in less than an hour. Oh, he'd been in a boot all week. It's like, have they become so gun-shy of their opponent scouting? Or I don't know, Chris. It's just uh, maybe that could be a debate for off-season. I think season, we but. just increased our betting over the years, <laughs> and we care about it more because True. they've always been somewhat close. Well, first of all, they get away with it in college more than they do the pros. That is so true. You're right. From that, you don't have to miss certain things, and you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, although, you know, shit, I waited till two minutes to kick off to see not only if Bo Nix was getting get him a try, but what they were saying on Twitter from people who were in the building in the stadium watching him warm up. Is he limping? Does it is it noticeable? Is it this or that? I waited till two minutes to build a to you know to bet Oregon. So yeah, you're yeah. right. It, it, it's tough. It's definitely tough. It's some. It, it's like it's it's also tough to like wait to see him on the first try because you know the live spreads are so tough to get sometimes because they go so quick and. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, we've been kind of stressing it all year. You really got to make sure, um, you know, you know who's starting at QB and whatnot or for, you know, a lot of in-between. We did get some upsets, though, inside the top 25 beyond rank by rank. NC State, who was coming off a nice win, got beat 25-10 to 10, uh, to Louisville. Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. I thought, you know, I have Oklahoma at 9.5. It, it didn't matter. They still won. Central Florida got beat by Navy, seventeen to fourteen. So we definitely did have some upsets. Old Miss uh, got shellackled pretty much by Arkansas, forty-two to, to twenty-seven. Um, so yeah, like I said, we we had plenty of uh, action. Now let's go to the Pac-12 and, and double dip here. USC gets the job done on the road in a back and forth. You know, we knew it was going to be an old, you know, kind of like a big 12 game in a sense, right? Just slanging sure. it around the park, 48 to 45. And then moving north from there, more of a Big Ten game, 20 to 17. Oregon, Bo Nix, you know, he was hurt. It was clear to see. I've mentioned it a couple times now. Uh, but they got the job done. And, and 
You know, Utah dominated them the last two times they played. I mean, dominated. We talked about that. But the more I thought about it, if Bo Nix plays, it's just what are the odds that they're going to lose back-to-back games at home after, you know, they uh, they won 23 in a row. And also, something that um, Oregon does good is stop the run. You can throw on them, but if you're going to throw so much with the Utah quarterback, Sometimes it just doesn't work. He played really good against USC, but he's had some down games too, so Oregon keeps it moving. But let's talk about that USC-UCLA game, being that, you know, you're a longtime Trojan fan. Didn't really start all that great. You know, you had a nice long drive, 10 plays, almost five minutes turnover on downs, missed field goal, interception. So it didn't start all that good, down 14 to zip. What was going through your head? Were you thinking, man, are we going to lay an egg here? Or we just got to get things moving? Because after that, um, it was 21 to 20 at half. Yeah, you know, I think due to maybe like West Coast, just media of sports compared to East Coast, that Caleb Williams should probably be the Heisman favorite right now. I mean, that that dude is putting, and I realize he's like second or third, but like if you look at his numbers and what he's doing, with no defense to mention whatsoever at all. Like, he's having a hell of a year. Because this USC defense, as far as they go this year, if they make the Final Four, I'd love to see it. But, man, our defense is atrocious. Like, that loss against Utah, the defense, maybe the refs didn't help that much, but our defense is just not good, which has just put the pressure on Lincoln Riley and Williams to call the right plays. But, man, that offensively, they've been – They've been a hell of a team to watch this year. So it literally was a 649 they put up. Had the ball for 35 minutes and still found a way to, to give up 204 on the ground and 309 to your point. That's pretty crazy. What are the odds? That, I know that there's four turnovers. That was the game sure. right there. But to have the ball for 35 minutes and still give up 513, a lot of that running, you're right, that is pretty crazy. I mean, I know they've had a bad D, but – I didn't really think it was that big of an advantage uh, time-wise. Yeah, wow. and again, you, they just you found a way to win. Like, I, especially in the second half, like about every four to five plays, the ball was going thirty yards down the field. Like the 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 the, the, the defensive yeah. film for UCLA and USC was not uh, something you'd want to brag about to, for your future endeavor if you're a defense coordinator. So. But then they, you got the job done offensively, like you said, got to a little bit of a slow start. But in the second half, man, I, if if I missed uh, a USC punt, I may I, I don't know there there weren't many. I know that maybe I stepped out for a second, but um, they just they've been rolling all year, and and they've like you mentioned the turnover battle. Um, this was a team where the first six games of the year their turnover ratio was like fifteen to one, so. They have had some lady luck on their side, but they've done a great job simply of we're going to hold on the ball more. Our offense is going to take care of our and do their part. Defensively, it's not going to be pretty, but occasionally our defense might force a couple turnovers. We'll be okay. So, hey, credits Caleb Williams. Again, it was a track me like we called. I, I, I did fall asleep at the wheel. I should have taken the over in that game because we both predicted that, and that thing soared over um, yeah, like we too. all thought. That, that was a, that was a, a mistake. I should have gotten you over there. But, hey, USC won. That's really all that matters. Now you're on to a Notre Dame team who, again, won't be easy at all. 
uh, offense better keep going because that defense is going to probably give up issues again. And as you mentioned for Oregon, um, that that's just a gritty win. Like quarterbacks beat up, you're playing a team who, like you mentioned, has your number. Um, you still have an outside chance of if if X amount of teams lose in front of you of making the Final Four. Like it's not completely dead and shot. So that was a game they had to have. And again, if you're Utah in the in the couple of big games, you're occasionally that that Cam Rising has had some bit of rough games. Um, in most of the um, Oregon games I've watched this year, the, their defense has been susceptible. And in the Utah losses now, and their two losses in conference, which was to UCLA and to Oregon now, uh, Cam Rising didn't have his best games. And obviously this was much worse than his UCLA performance. 21 for 38 with three picks. He had a, a quarterback rating of 33. So as usual, Utah's defense did a pretty good job against Oregon, even though it was on the road. But man, if you're throwing three picks, only throwing for a buck seventy, that that's hard. Hell, hell, you only lost by three. Um, but that, that that's a tough spot for Oregon. Again, you know we we question them. Should and there's a scoop this, and score you know. in there too. Yeah. You know? So I so just, that adds points that the offense didn't create. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, hey, Oregon, Oregon, you got it done. Again, if, if you sneak in the Pac-12 and win that and some other things happen, you're, you might actually still have an extra big game left this year. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, tip the cap to Oregon with a beat up quarterback. And even he was 25 of 37 for 287. So he, he wasn't running around like we were talking about before the show, but he was efficient. His quarterback rating was an 80 and he, he led his team to victory. Uh, good thing that game hadn't been in Utah because him in a bum ankle in Utah, that probably would have been a, a different outcome. But yeah, uh, hey, the, the, the Pac-12, you still have a chance. It was, if USC and Oregon would have lost, would have been just dumpster fire, no chance at all. But there's still an outside chance. Or that, just USC. Uh, I mean, or that's just all USC it in general. Been. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, uh, they, they, USC held on barely. And again, I, Notre Dame, man, uh, their win-loss record ain't that pretty, Chris, but, They've had moments this year where they've been a really good-looking football team. Yeah, they've had the, – September wasn't good for them, but um, – and then the Stanford loss randomly, that was weird. But I just don't – it's it's hard to get a grip on them. But styles make fights, like you say, of boxing. And I think stylistically being able to run the ball – oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Sure. Florida lost to Vandy. That's two in a row for Vandy now. Good for them. Uh, Virginia Tech needed a win. Liberty's kind of falling apart after that 7-1 start, 23-22. Somehow, some way, Wisconsin beat uh, Nebraska 15-14. to Tell me if you've heard that one before, a one-score game Nebraska in the last two years. Uh, Purdue was kind of saying, hey, we got this thing in the bag. We just got to win two more games. They almost lost the Northwestern, but they got it done. Credit to them. Indiana upset Michigan State. Michigan State just had – what seven dudes get in trouble for that uh, jumping in the uh, the hallway in the stadium? But that was a double overtime game. That was uh, entertaining. And this one shocked me, even though I had Houston at plus fifteen and a half or sixteen and a half. I did not see them doing this to East Carolina. They're a good club, forty-two to three. That that one really shocked me. Uh, Kansas, Texas. There's another one. Well, there's no way. Kansas, it's a ten and a half, and there's just no way Texas can do it. Fifty-five to fourteen, they just whooped on Kansas. 
yes, I had Kansas with like a plus heavy, you know, um, number, and it still didn't go, you know, go good for me. My Gophers had the picturesque drive going on. Um, we had a fumble, then had a three and out, had a nice drive going again, had an interception, and that was the game, folks. Thirteen to ten. The last two years, over a hundred yards they've outgained uh, and been able to run on Iowa. I mean, Mo had two hundred and sixty some odd yards against Iowa on the ground. That's just unheard of against that rushing defense. And they still found a way just to come up short against Iowa. That was a heartbreaker. Um, and the crafty, crappy the pick of the week did not go through. We have one more week remaining. Anything else before we get to good old rivalry week, sir? Well, you, you did save, and I appreciate because this ties in really nicely to the college football playoff rankings, and that was the fact that Rocky Top, um, the, the, the good school that my good friend on here, she supports, uh, they went down. And unfortunately, they went down South Carolina. And Hendon Hooker, who was also a, a great chance of winning the Heisman with Caleb Williams, went down as well. Um, yeah, that sucks for him. I, I mean, Tennessee, dude, they, they, they literally. It messes up your whole draft stuff and all that. I, I, know, you know? I know. And a, a non-contact ACL, that dude, that's brutal. Um, all they had to do was beat South Carolina and then beat a hot Vandy. And, uh, man, that um, – when you watch the game, South Carolina got up 14-0 early. You know, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of like, kind of like TCU. Like, ah, oh, Tennessee, they'll sure. come back. Their offense is too good. And their offense did kind of come back, but there was no stopping Spencer Rattler. Like, that dude had, Six you know, TDs, right? Yeah, 30 for 37, 438, six TDs. Dude, he, uh, he was like 10 and 9 coming into it, too, or something like that. Like, uh, I mean, he picked a game. To, to really show out, as the kids say nowadays, like, dude. That, Quick strike, too. I mean, they just kept putting points on them. 63 to 38. Mm. Um, I, you can't, I, I can't say it was a look-ahead spot for Tennessee because you already don't got to worry about going to the SEC title game. All you had to do was literally win two more games against two lesser caliber opponents, and you're in the playoff. And they, they fell apart. Uh, now, again, obviously, their, their Achilles was their defense, which it showed. Yeah, it finally caught up to them. But, man, not many people thought Spencer Rattler would just own them. And, hey, to give him credit, he, that guy took a lot of shit, you know, whether it was before he even came to yeah, college for true. how he was acting on his reality TV show and in Oklahoma, it never worked out. You know, he, he packed his bags went to South Carolina, who is not, uh, you know, the powerhouse that used to be a Spurrier. But, dude, you, you, you kind of got back on the map even more again because you put up maybe one of the better performances of the whole season, in all honesty, for the, for the time and the place and the opponents. So, uh Hey, credit South Carolina. This was a school who last year, your first three games, you were having a coach be a quarterback for you because you literally had no other quarterback. So in the span of two years, you've gone from having a coach run your offense to now you beat the number five team in the country and you whooped up on them. So it's crazy how things can change quickly when I guess you have a nucleus in the court that believes in working together and the transfer portal as well. So for Tennessee, hey, still, if you're a Tennessee fan, I'm sure that obviously pissed you off, but this is the best year y'all have had in a long time, so obviously it's reason to be optimistic. You didn't want the way to go down. It did, but um, yeah. And for Hooker, like you said, Chris, dude, that that dude was showing out this year as well. So hopefully he's healthy again, can recoup. I'm sure he still will get drafted. Like you said, that's such a blow for the combine and draft stock, and 
Yeah. yeah it's just kind of life in general for those injuries. The non-contact ones are always the worst, too. Because I, I saw that play, and I saw a, a, the guy scoop the ball up and score. I'm like, what just happened? You see the replay at the quarterback just kind of fell down, the ball popped down. You're like, oh, dude, that's never good. So, yeah, yeah, tough spot. And Vandy, if Vandy beats Tennessee, which could possibly happen, Vandy would be bowl eligible. Vandy has five wins this year, maybe catch Tennessee sleeping and depressed and sad with their back quarterback. I don't know if they will, but if Vandy wins, they'll have six wins on the season and could go to a bowl game, Chris. Holy shit. To to close out three SEC wins would be pretty crazy. Um, Before we get to the juicy stuff, Thursday on Turkey Day, 6 o'clock Central, Ole Miss in Mississippi State. Big rivalry game. Egg um, Bowl. Egg Bowl. Old Miss two-point favor. That's come down some. Um, so what's up? What's up with Lane, dude? Every two years, the guy's going to, well, actually, I'm going to take this job. No, I'm actually going to take I'm not saying he's saying that, but there's always rumors with this guy, whether it's on the tarmac, tarmac or, or whatever. Do you believe that he's going someplace? Because... Or not? You think he's he's being honest? Like these rumors are bullshit. The the you know the the uh, the reports are bullshit. Um, I'm not going anywhere. He's telling the locker room that. Where are you at with this? Because and let's not go too long winded because we are on a time constraint. I got to work today. But um, well, what do you think of this? Because obviously, right now, Ole Miss is kind of on a free fall, um, and. I, I still think Ole Miss can win this game just because of the style matchup because they can run the ball. But what do you think the ultimate outcome will be? You think he'll lead? Because he has been talking about how they don't have as much money as other universities and all that. I'm, I'm nervous because I, obviously I've kind of liked him at Ole Miss. And, I, A, I, I think it's like I guess Auburn has more, like, heritage and history, but, like, it really is kind of a lateral move. Like, you've done a pretty good job building up Ole Miss, so why would you want to – I guess you're going for money, maybe more facilities. Um, but it's, the reason it's not why, a lateral move. Well, I'm just saying, from from the teams on the field, it, it is. It's a step like, up, though. Ole, Ole, Ole Miss has been for, a better football program. team for the past four to five years. But for, for a program franchise, as I suppose from a coaching standpoint, you're right. It's an upgrade for a college, but for a team – Shit, you've had a better team for the last three years easily over them. Uh, so I guess you're looking at career paths. They need a coach. That's not really saying wow. much, though. Wow. Uh, that's fair. Um, but, no, I think he's gone because you hear you hear the speech all the time, and uh, you, you try to do the classic thing as a coach to, like, you know, you don't want the media to report the news before you tell your kids, and some coaches have done handled that better than others, you know, like the freaking Urban Myers and people like that or whatever. But – um, I do think normally nine out of ten times, Chris, when you hear a coach say, hey, these reports are not true, I haven't talked to – like they're saying that to say, hey, guys, like if this leaked out, I'm sorry. Like I'm – you know, every time this happens, the guy almost jumped ship. And maybe someone did leak out the news, which I, I'm guessing that's what happened. So I'm guessing after the Egg Bowl, he'll be gone to Auburn just because this is almost how that always goes. Are you going to um, have to get some Auburn gear then here? I, I, hey, I, I've, I've gotten, I've, wherever Lane's gone, I, I've gotten the gear of that school. I got an FAU hoodie. I got the old Miss hoodie. So I guess I, I'll get a War Eagle hoodie. Stuff laying yeah. around? Uh, some old uh, stuff still or what? 
I never got Tennessee stuff, but uh, huh. yeah, I'll, I'll be sporting War Eagle. I think that's my prediction uh, for next year. Oh, great. And with War that Eagle. being said, God uh, damn, why did I, oh, this is gonna be, <laughs> I'm going to quit. This is our last podcast this year. <laughs> and with, with that being said, I think that leads to a loss, too. Um, you know, Old Miss, they started out the year 7 0. It was a great start. Then you had to face a bit of a harder schedule. Um, you realize you had a quarterback control the ball that well. You had the heartbreaking loss to Bama. Uh, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas, whooped up on you. Now you're playing a Mississippi State team. You know, in all honesty, probably has had a better, more complete season. And with all this news circulating around, I, I think it all leads to a loss. I hope Old Miss wins, but I think uh, the crazy Mike Leach gets the job done, and I think they win. Um, the, I guess it's supposed to rain a lot, which would help Old Miss because they're a running team and. You know, Leach wants to throw the ball. Oh my God! Leach hasn't is... gotten an Egg Bowl win, I don't believe either. So he's probably going to be motivated. Yeah. So I'll take I'll take Mississippi State with the points, and I do think that yeah, I'll be saying War Eagle next year, Chris. So get ready for that. Oh God! All of a sudden, see, this is a great program. This is the best program. It's a, it's not a lateral step. I don't know who said it was a lateral step. It's not a lateral step. Um, all, it's good though for the rivalry. I'll tell you that uh, between Bama and them. True. Oh All God, right. save, save. He, the, Nick Saban's like, can this fucker ever leave me alone? Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Can get <laughs> him on, on the SEC for Christ's sakes. Um, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, I, I don't know. On paper, it just feels like, even with the star running back, it still feels like they just can't make enough plays. Uh, twenty plus yards in the air. Um. I'm talking about Michigan, of course. I just, if he plays, it's a tighter game. I'm not saying they're going to blow him out and, you know, put up 60 on him. Because they obviously have a great defense. Uh, I mean, you look at Michigan's defense, it's all over the place as far as, not all over the place, but you can have 10 categories, and they're like top 10 in all of them. And a lot of them, they're one, two, three, and stuff like that. So um, it's at Ohio State. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, Players on the team that got beat last year by Ohio State or by Michigan—it hasn't happened in a while. You know they're going to be out for blood. Um, and I think in years past, like we mentioned earlier in the year, that Notre Dame game uh, comes to mind. The defense kind of kept them in there early when the offense was having issues, and the offense has put up a ton of points still. But you know they've been banged up. They've gone through like three running backs. Um, who's going to be at running back for Ohio State? So there is some questions on that side. They're still trying to get their lat, one of their last year stars. Remember, he, he came up when those other two wide receivers earlier in the year were banged up. You know, both those guys are doing something in the pros now. Uh, I do think Ohio State in a month is going to be better than they are right now just to, just because of that stud running back or uh, running backs in that stud wide receiver. But, what says you about this? Like I said, even with the if, – if they can bring back – and that we don't know, obviously. It's a question. Quorum, right yeah. Yeah. Even with the back, I just don't think they can make enough plays, uh, you know, through the air. They're going to have to. I like Ohio State here. I don't think that's really going out on the ledge. It's just a matter of – I think it was it was eight and a half. I think it opened at or nine, eight and a half, and now it's seven and a half. What says you about this matchup? I just don't think Michigan can beat Ohio State two years in a row. Like, even, you know, just, I know I'm kind of disregarding X's and O's, but, like, 
I don't I think the last time they beat um Ohio State two years ago was two thousand one and two thousand. So it's been basically two decades since you beat a school two times in a row. And you would it just it just kind of you would assume that Ohio State would have the number. It's at Ohio State as well. Um, you know, I think that the way Michigan beat Ohio State last year was running the ball religiously. And if your stud running back is out, like that's a red flag as well. And as we've seen this year, Michigan really has showcased their running game because their quarterback's not that good. Their quarterback's been getting crap on social media all year. Not, you know, I'm saying I support, you know, college kids getting attacked, but I know that the fans have kind of not been too happy with him. And the, I mean, he's not obviously awful because they're undefeated, but Michigan's offense is based on a run game. So if your running game is not that strong and you're at Ohio State, and he beat him last year. Like I think and the more many, experienced guy got hurt too. At quarterback. Yeah, so I, I just think there's too many issues going against you to pick you to win a game yet again. And again, they they you've not swept them in two years in a row in, in 20 years. So why would it happen this year? I, I'd be I'd be very surprised. Uh, but with that being said, losing a game by three and losing by 20 is a whole different perception for what is yeah. going to come for a playoff prediction because you can still lose that That's game. True. And now if they lose, it's all of a sudden, well, do we want to take USC or Michigan or we want to let an LSU beat Georgia? Like they're so losing a game, no, no one likes moral victories, but for this situation alone, a moral victory could be heavily important for um, Michigan in the next two weeks or whenever the hell they release their uh, college football playoff picks. Yeah, you're right. It's actually less than a week, yeah, because it is uh it's that Sunday after uh the Saturday championship. Oh, you're right, brother. Yeah. Um Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You got to keep that in mind and, you know, everybody has to keep winning below them, you know, to to be like, "Hey, Michigan only has that that quality win at Penn State or this or that." You know, they don't have a plethora of great wins. So, we'll see how that goes. Before we get to the big one out west, we're going to go northwest. Oregon and Oregon State. This is a tricky, tricky game. You have a spread offense. They're right around 200 uh, yards in the air and on the ground. And I'm talking about the Beavers. Um, they do pretty good as far as stopping the pass. They're, you know, they once their quarterback got hurt, you know, um, the backup's been okay. But it, I think O'Boy's back now. They had that really close game where they lost to Washington recently. Yeah, that was at Washington, I believe. Um, that was like maybe a month ago or something. Less than a month ago, actually. I think it was three games ago or something like that. But, um, I mean, and then you have Bo Nix. Where's his ankle at? Yes, a whole week off helps. Um, but if it's anywhere near what we saw that night on the road, it's going to be tough because, you know, Oregon's defense – they're giving up 26 game, you know, 26 a game, and they give up a ton of pass. It's just a matter of can you take advantage of that? And I'm not sure um, Oregon State can take advantage of passing because that's what you have to do: make explosive plays in the pass game. That's how you beat Oregon. Just ask Washington. Um, you got to run, no doubt about it. But Oregon's going to want to run, and and that's where the you know the RPO. Is it a true RPO if Nix is not hurt? They're they're averaging almost 223 you know yards on the ground, but 
They sure didn't do that in the last game. Yeah, Utah's got a good defense or whatever, but they just couldn't because he was no threat to run. So it's really just keep an eye on Bo Nix. Otherwise, I like an upset here. I'm with you. And just to show kind of how much love this game is, um, you can get it is a more expensive ticket to get in the door for Oregon, Oregon State Civil War than it is for Bama Auburn. Even if Auburn's having a bad year, who cares? That's like Bama Auburn. Like that's still one of the top five rivals in football. Uh you gotta pay a buck forty four to sneak in the door for Oregon State. So that Corvallis place. Is that old. still uh are they still limited? I was going to say, limited? you're right. Because yeah, I remember. Plays into when, it, there's less tickets available. True, yeah, because when they played UFC, they were doing construction about 30% of bleachers. So you're right, that yeah. the, si- the size and the space. But it, it is but a still. big rivalry. It is a big rivalry. And I, I know politically they don't call it Civil War, Civil War anymore, but we will because we're college football fans and we're not trying to reignite something from 150 years ago or whatever. So, yeah, um, it should be a fun game. I'm with my co host. I think that Oregon State will pull it out. As you mentioned last week, Bo Nix was really struggling to move, and now you're on the road playing a defense who has really carried the weight pretty well. Oregon State's defense had a hell of a performance against USC. USC was yeah. lucky as hell to win that game. That was a a lucky, lucky win. And even throughout the years, when Oregon State had normally has been a a fourteen to twenty point underdog in this game almost every bleeping year, they play this game pretty tight. It, it kind of has that Carolina Duke feeling to it or what, whatever rivalry you want to pick in your mind. But Oregon State's always put up a good fight despite pretty much always, always being the poor man's kind of stepchild in this situation. But now they're actually, for the last couple of years, they've been put up a pretty good program to give Oregon State credit. They, From when we started this podcast probably 10 years ago, we never talked about it much. And for the past three seasons, they've been having a, a bowl season with some good wins. Now you're ranked 21st, you're 8-3. and three. I'm with you, Chris. I think the the Beavers beat the Ducks, and I think they pulled off. And um, if you're Oregon, you gotta hope you know Bo Nix gets that ankle ready because if not, it's a it's gonna be a hostile environment with a limited quarterback. That's a a lot of uh, you know we said a lot of excuse me. I said Michigan had a lot of things going against them. I think Oregon does in this situation as well. So we got to tighten up here. I'm gonna kind of breeze through some of these games before we get to Notre Dame USC. Sure. There's another one, Washington and Washington State. Ten wins is a big thing for Washington. But, man, that is tricky because they can run the ball. It's a two-point, you know, favorite on the road. So, I mean, that, that tells you Vegas tells you it's a pick em type game. That's going to be an interesting game. I like Tulane to upset Cincinnati at Cincinnati. They're a one-point underdog. That could be interesting. Can Baylor stay within eight-and-a-half points? I'm still kind of – you know, I got some bets on Thanksgiving, two of them, so maybe it'll go off that if I bet uh, with Baylor. But I, it's like I want to do it because something, finally something's going to give when it comes to these two teams betting on them. Um, it, someone's going to win this damn game. This isn't the pros. Uh, you know, there is no ties. And like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida hangs around and puts up enough offense to, to lose by less than nine and a half. Um what says you about some of these games, and then you can start the preview for Notre Dame USC, which Vegas has them as a five and a half point favorite uh, at home. Yeah, and for um, for Baylor or Texas, I would I would shade Baylor just because Texas that's a lot of points for a team that really hasn't like 
you know, the best game they played all year was against Bama, and they lost it. So I'm not saying they're not a great team or a good team, but they're, they're covering the spread. really has not been in Texas's M.O. all year. Um, as usual, my co-host didn't mention Alabama as a 22-point favorite. I would look at Auburn. Like this, just like when LSU played them, uh, pretty much remember we have not talked about Bama this year. When they've been a large favorite against a rivalry game, they haven't covered. So could Alabama Very win true. by 21 points? For sure. Um, but, again, Auburn, they that I've seen that game a lot of times in my life, and it's never pretty, but a majority of the time you almost never see an Auburn-Alabama blowout. And you're giving me 22 points, I would sure. gladly take Auburn to the window for that. Um, I just think that's way too generous of, of a spread there. Um, besides that, uh, well, hell, your, your Gophers are playing your ba- – Gophers playing the Badgers. That's always a fun game. I hope you all get that done after that that freaking tough-as-hell frigid loss last week. Um, I'm T- picking the Gophers on that one too, by the way. And TCU is minus 10. I Iowa State does play an ugly, low, scrappy game, and TCU is the opposite. Again, I don't – Man, TCU's been having to show up for nine weeks in a row. And, again, I, I guess you call it a letdown spot, but, I mean, all that coach has to be telling them all week is, guys, we're two steps away from making the football playoff. So I don't think this is a letdown. This is the less least skilled team you've had to play in nine games. I think that TCU finds a way to get it done. Uh, I'm, I, also, I should probably also think about going to the game. Say tickets are 32 bucks. That might be – a fun trip to do. I'm that might have to put that on my agenda Saturday. So I do think TCU gets uh, the job done there. And yeah, it's just, it's the time of the year where we get to watch a lot of good college football. And that leads us to Notre Dame USC. As my co-host said, USC is a five and a half point favorite. Um, man, this Notre Dame team, Chris, they, they've had some great games. They've had some bad games. Um, they were up 14 to zero on Clemson. That score kind of changed later in the game, but Notre Dame, their, their defense is respectable. Offensively, they have their moments. And USC, you just got to hope to drop 40 because I don't think we're going to slow Notre Dame down. I, I think USC finds a way to get the job done. I think USC wins. I think that offensively they'll find a way, especially at home in the Coliseum. But that five and a half to scare me because in almost every close game USC has played this year, it's been within a touchdown at the very end. Uh, but like a three to seven point yeah, or three, three to yeah. ten point spread, dude, and you, you're playing with fire by taking that five and a half. That's true, and and you know they found something to an extent anyway with pain at QB now, um, and they got two good running backs. They used them both. I think Bolton got over a hundred yards against Clemson. Once they got up on Clemson a few weeks back, fourteen to zip, they never looked back. I don't think they scored to the fourth quarter, but they were up like twenty eight to zero before Clemson even scored. I think so. Um, that was a big win for him. Um, they obviously, you know, run, 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 hold the ball, and every once in a while, get like a 18 yard pass or convert a third and eight or something like that. Because otherwise, you know, you're going to have USC running up and down the field to an extent anyway, pass and running, whatever. They got the better quarterback by a mile, uh, but that's not saying much because you know. Uh, could pretty much line that up with a lot of, uh, you know, over 131 schools, right? So, you know, that's not the biggest thing, but I think it will, it has a chance. Like, if that goes up to six, I may, I may, uh, take it, but I like the Trojans too, uh, to clear this out. Let's get to the crafty, crappy pick of the week, because like I said, I gotta eat before I work, and I gotta close tonight, so I don't wanna be, I want some food in my system. Let's, uh, let's shut her down here. 
with the last pick of the year for the crafty, crappy pick of the year, man. With that being, hey, eight and four on the year. It's been a, a eight and four is a pretty damn good record. Last I checked, that's better than they print out in Vegas. So that's above sixty five percent, in my opinion. So the last game of the year, um, we are traveling out to Fort Collins, Colorado, at Canvas Stadium. It is a two thirty p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Network. This game is on Friday, so it's coming up in two days. Um, if, if you don't watch it, I can't blame you. You can go, you can sneak in the door for fifteen dollars. So you can go to, you can get a whole lot of tickets compared to going to the Civil War. Uh, New Mexico is traveling to Colorado State. Both teams are two and nine. Again, I repeat, two and nine. The Lobos are playing the Rams. Neither of these teams are bowl eligible because they suck. And that's why they're appearing in the final crafty, crappy pick of the week. Chris, take it away in what is a nightcap to a very, very beautiful crafty, crap pick of the year season. Uh, Colorado State is minus seven and a half. The over under is 35. Good. Okay. Just put that in perspective. Last week, Gopher Iowa's point spread was 32 of an over under. That was the lowest point spread on record that that Vegas had seen in college football time. This is only three points higher than the lowest over-under of record, which was week ago of my co-host's favorite squad. I think the Minnesota-Wisconsin is like 35-2 right now. Jesus. Um, it's going to be like almost 40 or 50 degrees, though, in Madison uh, on Saturday. So it'll be a little different scenario. Uh, sure. This does fall right under. I mean, when you give up a buck 66 and a buck 72 on the ground, you know you suck. And then also on defense, but then you can't even in, – in college football, you can't even average 100 yards on the ground, 90 for Colorado State. Uh, and you could say, well, a buck, almost a buck 28 for New Mexico, but they're only putting up 108 through the air. Oh, my. so you, you can't pass and you can't stop the run. Sounds like a lot of bleeding going on. This is a good way to end the year, both 2-9. and nine. I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going with the home team to try to finish out nine and four. Was that what we were last year, or was it eight? I can't remember. Colorado State Rams. I got for the dub to try to go nine and four on the season, which would be a great, great record. Hell yes! And for New Mexico, for the alumni battle, I'm going through the New Mexico alumni. I really don't recognize anyone. There is a guy that won a PGA golf tournament, and there's a guy that used to play football in the NFL, but I do not recognize either name, and I consider myself a pretty big sports fan. For Colorado State alumni, um, ew, good God, it, it, it's just as bad as well. Um, we're looking for people who are tied into any social media aspect of life. All right, um, well, Becky Hammond, uh, she has a Minnesota tie. so. Um, dear Lord. Yeah. Becky Hammond got caught. Who is that State. on the side? New Mexico uh, state. Or Colorado? Uh, that, that is on the Colorado state side of okay. Becky Hammond. That was her, uh, uh, university and she has Minnesota ties. So we'll tip the capture there. So I'm, uh, sliding with my co-host. I'm taking the Colorado state alumni with the Colorado state Rams to put us to nine and four on the year. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're able to enjoy a lot of uh, fun times and drinks with the family and friends over the next couple of days. We appreciate the support for the podcast. Everyone stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good Thanksgiving. The boys are out tonight. Peace.